Welcome to Ella Go. My name is Lisa, and this is not just a podcast about running. This is a podcast to empower women through fitness and health and everything in between. Because let's be honest, ladies, this journey could suck if we don't get our shit together. Okay, so welcome back, everyone, to another uh, episode of the Men series. And of course, I have another man in the hot seat. And today's guest is Elliot. Elliot, how are you? I'm well, yourself? I'm good. Good to see you. Likewise. Yeah. (laughs) So, Elliot, can you just tell the listeners a little bit about you? You know, what do you do? And then we'll go from there. So um, a little bit about me. So I'm from uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, It's where I live currently. I grew up in Minnesota, uh, all over the state. We moved about every four years growing up. But uh, so I don't have a lot of, uh, I don't have like a hometown. I don't think of anywhere as home. But, um, and uh, I like Minnesota. Um, We were talking beforehand that it's, uh, I'm a person of color and it's a very white state. And I, I, that has effect. We brought that up because I have a podcast and we were talking about all that. But that is a, I think affects kind of living here. uh, you know, because at 51 the other day, I got asked by a woman, a black woman that says, have you ever dated a black woman? I said two. And she goes, well, how come? And I go, I live in Minnesota. And uh, I mean, that's the short answer. Um, but I uh, currently I am self-employed. I do a, um, uh, a media support for a realtor and uh, a lot of personal assistant work for her as well. Um, I've been selling. I sold a couple of prints this month. I'm kind of doing whatever it takes. Uh, I quit my job. I was working in public mental health as a certified peer support specialist, which means I was the lived experience uh, professional on the team, which means I have a diagnose, I have diagnoses myself. Um, and then I use my experience with recovery to help others. Um, let's see, I have two kids. Uh, I've been divorced three times. So uh, I have some relationship experience, maybe what you shouldn't do and not what you should, but uh, I've learned some things you should do since then as well. Okay. And that's why I brought you in. <laughs> so Elliot and I met on Tiki Taki land, TikTok, And, um, I don't know how we came about talking. Uh, I think you came on my live on TikTok and just started spewing things about your experience and your relationships and things mm-hmm. like that. And I thought, okay, well, why don't we take this further and have you come on to the podcast and talk more further about your experiences. So with that being said, Elliot, you said you're 51 years old, right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And um, let's start when you were younger. Uh, Were you you like, did you date in your twenties? How, you know, what did that look like? So like, I can go all of us. I started like having the idea that I would like to date in my teens and, and uh, um, didn't much didn't have a lot of girlfriends, dated a lot, had a lot of friends in high school, and then graduated. Um, and then I joined the Army a year after I graduated. And that year, I didn't really have any relationships. Joined the Army, didn't really have any relationships that were any... I had a girlfriend here or there, but nothing long-term, nothing um, substantial um, until I got out of the Army. Um, and then I would kind of have these year... my Like year-long 
relationships that were like super, you know, supernovas or, or, or comets that would burn in hot and, and then disappear. And, and, uh, um, but, and this was the case with my first marriage lasted about a year. It was a starter marriage though. So I just, no, I'm kidding, but, um, it lasted about a year. And, um, after, so I was in desert storm and when I came back from desert storm, I knew that something was wrong. Um, well, let me back up. When I was 16, I was institutionalized because I tried to take my life. And um, they said, oh, he's a teenager. He's depressed, whatnot. And then I got a, a psychiatric waiver. My recruiter told me exactly what to say and how to get to the army. So I got in the army. I probably shouldn't have been there. Um, oh, my God. Because of my, uh, uh, my, the, the mental illness that I had at the time, which I didn't know. And, um, and then, so there was an incident with, um, some munitions that were trying to be blown up and, and spent the day getting basically bombarded by bombs that weren't being controlled. They're just cooking off in a fire. So they're like going sideways up in the air and exploding for about three hours. Um, so there's this really traumatic experience around explosions. And at the time you just like freak out and then you go on with what you're doing, but it left a indelible scar on who I am. And, um, I think that informed most of my relationships up till I was about 39. I was 24 when I married the first time. Like I said, lasted a year. I was 28, which lasted about three years between dating and to separation. Uh, and that was my first son was born then. I had a couple of relationships between then that were, you know, a year long. Or, and then I had uh, another marriage last about a year uh, when my second son was born. Um, and I really came to a head with my health. Um, I had taken, made an attempt the fourth time on my life. And then when I got done, I was like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I have to change something. So from 2010 to about 2016, I spent doing a lot of work, uh, DBT therapy, prolonged exposure therapy. So DBT is mindful based, um, radical acceptance, distress tolerance, uh, interpersonal skills uh, for advocating what you want. Um, and then prolonged exposure was for the PTSD. It was looking at my trauma, talking about it for an hour, recording that trauma, and then listening to it an hour a day. Um, so, I mean, it's a lot of hard, hard work most people won't do. According mm -hmm. to the professionals I work with, they say, we're amazed that you did this and then did this and then mm -hmm. did this because I think there's an idea that your trauma is too hard to walk through. So, having that prolonged um, effect on your life is, is easier, which it's not than doing the short-term intensive work. Um, I'm so glad I did it about three years into that work. I started dating someone who had a seven year relationship. Um, but with that relationship, I was like, I was on antipsychotics when we met as far as medication. And, um, you know, and then when we broke up, I was on nothing. I wasn't on meds. I wasn't on, um, I was in maintenance of mental health recovery. When I started, I was in recovery. I was very lethargic when we started. I'm very much like this when we ended. So she actually dated about three people in that process, which was me when we started, me in the middle of my growth and me when I you know, had some recovery and was starting to maintain that recovery. So it's very realistic that it didn't work out. She's very quiet, likes things very um, predictable, which is what I was at the beginning. Not that Okay. So. All right. So, wow. All right. Yeah. That's a lot. It is. Elliot. So, Elliot, let's just take a, let's go a little bit 
further back, okay? Yeah. Because you said about you did attempt to take your life and how the first time and how old were you? 16. Now knowing what you know now, what was the reason behind that? Do you know or what or is it was So I have uh I have um bipolar too. So mm-hmm. I don't have mania, I have hypomania, but I have uh deep severe depression. I had deep severe depression with that. Um I think that's what that was was that depression. Mm-hmm. Um and existing just was so painful and I didn't have any coping skills. I wasn't seeing anyone. I was on any medication. I was just a 16-year-old kid drinking on the weekends, getting high, trying to figure it out, which was just kind of pounding me down anyway. Mm-hmm. And then you have kind of the social jungle that high school is. And I think all of it was just more than I could cope with. And I didn't want to die. Just like every time I didn't want to die. I just didn't know how to go on feeling like I felt. Um, I also, in, in, in over time, my mind, I have suicidal ideation probably once a week. Doesn't mean I want to kill myself. Doesn't mean I'm going to. It's just thoughts, intrusive thoughts I have. And I now I just go, oh, yep, I'm having those thoughts. But at the time, I was like, oh, that's probably a good idea. My family would be happier without me. My, um, and, and you know, I think it's all just around the depression, that clinical, uh, um, severe depression that came with the bipolar. I also have um, now PTSD, and they have a diagnosis of um, borderline personality disorder, which is a relationship disorder as well, which had been untreated until my late 30s. Okay. What was the last one? A borderline personality disorder. Borderline. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Now you having all these experiences and having to deal with a lot of these, you know, mental health uh, concerns. How do you date? Like, how do you, do you tell a woman off the bat this, this is going on or let's talk a little yeah, bit about do. how do you date? So I didn't, so for a long time, I didn't know what was going on. I knew I had something going on. I didn't have a name for it. I wasn't being diagnosed. You know, I was depressed or I had depression or, you know, but in my head, it wasn't like a thing. Um, but with the PTSD, I really didn't know. I just thought, you know, people were, I mean, people, I, I just thought people were dicks and I was justified to be as angry about everything as I was. And um, life was a nail and I was a hammer. It's not how I felt inside, but it's what I, like how I, I operated. Um, and I don't think that relationships would have been possible to be success. I was setting myself up for failure because I, I was in no shape. I was sick. So anything that I had, relationship I had, that I tried to be um, giving of myself, all I had to give was this kind of sickness. Um, and I think uh, until I got diagnosed and, and um, so it, it was... 2009 or 10 that I got into the VA system as a veteran for the first time. Mm. Didn't know I could. They don't really, at least in, when you get out, like in 93, when I got out, they didn't say, hey, here's what you, you know, they don't take care of vets like they do now. And I still don't think they do it very well, but they didn't do anything. They just said, hey, here you go. And um, it was once I got that kind of integrated where my doctors could talk to my psychiatrist, could talk to my psychologist with just look at notes in the same system. Uh, my meds were paid for. Um, I was getting a disability check. So all these things kind of lifted me up. Uh, I had a family that said, hey, you can stay here till you're well. Not you can stay here if you get a job until you get well. Or they just said, do what you need to do to get well. So I had this kind of support that I don't think a lot of people get, which allowed me to, like, I've always been good at trying to fix problems about myself. 
But when you don't, when there's the stuff that's hidden, like diagnoses and symptoms, it's, you can't fix that without, you know, knowing what it is. Um, so I would always come up short and I always felt like a failure. Like I'm trying to do these things. And I came up short. Once I had the insight of what was going on, I could then fix myself. And now that I have, I feel like I'm, I, I would be a wonderful person to be in a relationship with. I know who I am. I know what I want. I know where I've been. I know I am feeling what I'm feeling. I'll tell you what it is. All the things you hear people say they, they want either male or female, they want communication, respect, blah, 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 blah. All those things are things that I'm capable of doing. But now I'm at a point where I really have a different look at relationships. So the traditional marriage, all that stuff is probably not something I would go to now that I have these skills. Um, but I didn't have a chance in any of those relationships. Okay. So when let's go back. So you, back then you didn't have the tools that you needed to be in a relationship you're saying, or the thing, the coping skills. I didn't have the tools I needed to live. Okay. Properly. And you, and yet you were dating. Yep. Well, so, I just was so unaware of, of that, right. that I should be doing things. Yeah. Did you say at any time during that, that time when you were dating that, did you tell anything to this, to these women that you had all these things going on? I mean, I'd tell them about my experience in the war. Mm -hmm. um, it, you would have had to have been blind not to know that I, yeah. I mean, sometimes I would say, Hey, you don't want to, you don't want to be involved with me. I'm, I'm trouble, but I've always let other people make their decisions about what they want to do. Uh, as far as entanglement or or connection, I don't say, "Hey, don't be with me." I'd say, "I wouldn't be with me if I were you." But that's about as far as it went. Okay, so you never shared the fact that you were that you tried to take your life or anything with these women. Maybe, like, possibly. I I don't remember. Okay, but it wasn't something that you started going into saying, I have these issues. You just said, if I were you, I'd probably be, wouldn't be in a relationship. Yep. It was kind of this self-loathing and beware. You know, it wasn't, I'm aware of what I am and I'd like to talk to you about this. It was, I'm a mess, but if you, you want to come around, I'm lonely too. You know what I mean? It's that kind of. That so you were giving them the heads up and then maybe, and then what was, what were the reactions of these women? When you said that they moved forward, I mean, they moved forward. They, they, I mean, I was in the relationships. They, uh, for whatever reason, you know, I am, I've been told, I don't know who they am. I've been told that I'm awfully charming and always have been. Um, I'm when I'm happy or, um, when I was more stable than I was probably a really good time. And my pattern is to be stable and then, then have not be able to maintain it and have a collapse. And most of these relationships would end at my falling down. Um, and the getting back up was a very slow process. So I wouldn't have relationships for periods of time. Um, quite often I would be institutionalized at the end of these relationships. Um, I last decade was the only decade I hadn't been institutionalized since I was 16. Um, so, I mean, my mental health and my unhealth was a big um, I mean, it's the only thing I can identify as the problem because I didn't know what it was to do. I was just so unaware of what was going on, very self-aware that things were going on, but the why or what to do about it just eluded me. Okay. That very much affected the people I was with. Like, what is wrong with you? How can I, you know, you're, I can't relate to you. You're this way. And then you're this way. Um, what am I supposed to do with this Elliot? And I would be like, I feel the same. All right. So these women still went forward. 
Mm-hmm. Can we talk a little bit about these women? Mm-hmm. Okay. So even though you said to them, I'm trouble, I, I probably, you know, you're telling them all this, they went moved forward with it. Was it a t- particular type of women? Yes, ma'am. Let's talk about that. So every coincidentally or not, every single one of them had had some sort of severe mental uh, sexual assault in their life within four years prior to meeting me. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. And they had done nothing about it. One had not reported it. And the other one had done no therapy or follow-up. And she had been abducted for a week. Oh, my God, Elliot. Yeah. So in that one, I didn't really know until we were into it. And there was kind of a pre-promiscuity. And then once we attached, it was like she was, I don't know what word to use, but she was not interested in any sort of intimacy at that point. Once she got pregnant and with my son, she was done. She didn't want to be touched, looked at. She didn't want to talk about sex, didn't want to anything. So it was a very, for me, very confusing of, and with borderline personality disorder, your fear is to be abandoned, that intimacy and love is going to be removed from you for no reason. That's your fear. And it looks like that when somebody's having symptoms of their own trauma, that they've, you know, hypersexualized like many uh, sexual assault victims do, and then go the opposite direction, sure felt like I was being abandoned. Not as an excuse or as a, but just, I think that our traumas, our, um, our difficulties kind of were magnets that kind of, yeah. we started out where they attracted and then somehow they flipped and it pushed us apart. Okay. So that's with, with the majority of women? So until I was, so in my twenties, that was my, my two significant relationships were my two wives. Mm-hmm. Both had that in common. Mm. Um, that started disappearing. Um, I, that wasn't the case. A couple, I dated a couple more women like that short three months, six months kind of things um, where, and I was like, I have incredible pattern recognition um, like my friends are being goofier, trying to hide something from me. I'm like, what's going on? And I'll go, what do you mean? I go, the pattern's different. And I'll go, oh, okay. They're used to me. And they'll go, then they'll come clean that something's going on. So with this pattern recognition, I was like, well, what's going on with me? And I keep choosing this kind of person. Still don't have the answer to that for then. But um, I knew, now seem to be attracted to or attract a different kind of person with the same kind of vein. And that's women with really low empathy. Okay, so you're saying that now you are attracting women with low, a low level of empathy. I would say that that my seven year relationship, in hindsight, was might have been a female narcissist, um, just because of how things washed out, and I had a lot of hard boundaries that I had started setting, mm-hmm. and I started noticing that I wasn't being told the truth. Mm-hmm. And that I was always the problem. And if I would say they're the problem, they would just cascade emotionally to this place that didn't make any sense. And so there was a lot of that at the end where, um, and I stopped kind of giving that, um, stopped allowing the lies to be told. I just would say, that's not true. And I would, everything was being addressed. And shortly after that, she wanted to break up. So, um, and then since then, just kind of lower empathy. Um, and by that, I mean, they, 
they're guarded. They don't think about others, not in a selfish way, but they just are so shut down from their life experiences that they don't trust themselves to feel. Um, or they've spent 15, 20 years with a narcissist and they're so codependent that they've shut down how they feel. So they, so saying to me that you're saying that there is these women that had these, this low level of empathy, which kind of surprises me because you seem to be a man who is, who shows his emotions, who likes, I mean, am I wrong that you, you don't like those things? Well, so I find that at the beginning, they don't present that way. Mm -hmm. There's a very artificial presentation of, um, or I do a lot of the work because I am very, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. And this is what I'm feeling. And, um, I try to express that as directly and effectively as I can, because I, I, I just let myself go. Let's for, talk a little bit about that. The love bombing. Did they do Did They have you experienced that? Cause I like to know what that looks like from a male's perspective. Not well with one. I can't, yes, there was this like initial back and forth, a lot of contact, a lot of texts, and but uh, this woman did it all with like emojis and visual things like pictures. She would never say anything. It was all like this. She'd send a lot of things that you know I really like you, all this stuff, right? But then as things said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to date, right? We kind of said we're going to do this together, and it's just going to be us. And very quickly and very differently to, okay, you're here. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have time for you or not. All this kind of, just a lot of gaslighting about how much time they had. Um, so that's a lot of experiences that you, um, that you went through. So mm -hmm. with that being said, and you talking about all these, you know, the experiences that you've had with all these different women and, you know, your own mental health issue. Where are you now with all of this? Where am I now? So I know who I am. I am um, single. Um, uh, the seven-year relationship I talked about ended about two years ago. I had a six-month relationship in there with a woman with a very low empathy. I, I saw it. I, it took me about three months to go, is this what I think it is? And then about three months to go, oh, yeah, it is. I got to get out of this. And um, so it's about six months from beginning to end. And it was just basically because I kept going, you're saying this, but that can't be true because this, this, and this. And then they go, and they went and talk to me for three days. And I go, you know, you just didn't talk to me for three days. And, and they'd say, well, I just need space. And I go, well, can we talk about the fact that you need space before you take off? And they'd be, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that the same things would happen again. So it was, that was a lot of me putting up boundaries. Um, I'm a fail early kind of guy. I think we talked about this before. Um, so I don't need to be with somebody. Um, I like companionship. I like, um, intimacy. I like physical intimacy. I like, I like, uh, cuddling on the couch. I like whatever, right. I like it all, but I'm not going to, um, my happiness isn't found in that in somebody else. My happiness isn't found in, um, so if there's a concert to go to and I don't have somebody to go to it with. I go to it and I enjoy it because it's about the music and me. If it can be about the music and me and they can have the music and them, and then we can share that experience together. Great. But I'm not going to compromise or okay. All right. accept what's not acceptable. 
Right. Because so, I, I believe people are, are either compatible or they're not. And I don't take a lot of that that serious or personally. So if somebody comes in and is like, um, you don't tell me that you like me enough. I usually go, oh, you know what? I get that. I'm probably not compatible with you then. Because this is this is me, how I operate. And this is, I, I, I like you, but I don't think that I'm going to like try to change how this is because this is, this is who I, and I don't want you to change or somebody will come in and they'll have, they'll have this trait that really grates on me. And I have to say to myself, is everything else worth that trait? Or is that going to grate on me? And if I think it's going to grate on me, I just go, you know what? You're great. And, you know, but I don't think this is going to work because of this thing. And I don't want to get over it because it's maybe it's personal. Maybe it's about a valuable but it's not about not liking them. It's just, it's not compatible. And I don't, even if I like, I can like somebody, I can love somebody. It doesn't mean we need to be together. It doesn't mean we can be together. For me, people are compatible or they're not. Okay. So you are actively looking, would you say? I would not say I'm actively looking. But the I'm actively available <laughs> to, well, I'm actively available to participate. People always tell me that I'm poly and I'm not at all. I believe in being with one person. Cause it's too much energy for me to do anything else for me mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. But I also believe that I'm an autonomous being and they're an autonomous being. I don't own them. If I'm in a relationship with them, it doesn't trump how often I see my friends or other people that I have relationships with mm-hmm. at this point in my life, because I've done that. And what happens is when the music stops, I don't have a chair. I was living with somebody. They get the house. I'm now, you know, looking for a place to live and all this stuff. So from the, like when I meet somebody and we're getting along, I always say, you know what? I'm going to keep this apartment no matter what happens because I've been homeless three times after relationships have ended. And I'm never going to settle into the intimacy of the relationship. If in the back of my head, I'm worried about being homeless again someday. Okay. But what does that have to do with being poly? What's what? Why so, did- let me get there. So um, if I'm autonomous and you're autonomous and I'm not reducing the volume of my relationships around me, people are always like, well, you're my boyfriend. So I don't do boyfriend. I'll never be, I'll never put the tyranny of boyfriend on somebody else. That obligation that people have, the societal norm of a boyfriend is the grossest thing to me. What, okay. So then what are you? Well, do we have to Hanging call out? Hanging no, out? No. Um, so for instance, um, recently I saw somebody and we were seeing each other and it, we knew what it was and people would go, what's going on there? And I go, I don't know what to tell you because I don't know have a word to tell you what it is, but the person that I'm with and I will always know what's going on. You know how you just said, don't tell me what other people say. It's just that when we're together, we know what's going on because we've, we've talked through the whole thing. I think that in the past, I only talked and communicated when things were on fire. Now I come in telling you what's up. Like I don't go to a date and you don't know who's paying. I, you always know beforehand what's up. Cause I'll say, Hey, there's this thing that happens where people get awkward and make a big deal about it. What's going on. What are we going to do? How's it going to finance? Maybe it's not very uh, spontaneous or romantic, but it's very effective. I never, I watch some videos of yours and other TikTokers going, I don't know. How do you know who's going to pay? How do you, I never have that problem. I never have that problem because, because it's, it's always known before we go. Because you talk about it before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how does that come into conversation? We're going to go yeah. out tonight and mm-hmm. I'm, you're going to pay. No. 
we're going to go out tonight and it's not going to be free. How are we going to finance this? Do you want to do it like Dutch? Do you want me to pay? Do you want to pay? What's going on? And what does she normally say? What do they normally say? Because it's not always the same person, but some go, what do you mean? And are very confused by that direct mm-hmm. and don't like it and, uh-huh. and look at me funny. Some go, oh, that's different. And go, oh, well, I hadn't thought about it. And then when we talk about it a little longer, they had thought about it, but they didn't know what the answer was. Who should do it? What's the end result? We go out and we know who's paying. But what's the end result? Do they expect you to pay all the time? Do they say, well, of course you're going to pay, Elliot. Usually when they have the conversation, it comes out, well, I don't know why you'd pay or I'd pay. We're both interested in each other. And um, you you have money. I have money. Um, you're independent. I'm independent. Why don't we just pay for ourselves? Or you buy lunch, I'll pay for the movie or whatever it is. It just... It, that kind of thing doesn't matter to me. I don't care. If you want me to pay, I'll pay. I always have a hard time relating. I'm in a, I stop in a singles group that's t- I found on TikTok. And like when I hear them talking about dating, um, and I'll go and there's people from all the country and it's kind of almost like a support group where you're just kind of talking about your experience. And I'm always just baffled that how in the in their heads they are about, well, I'm on the date and do I do this? And what's my line? And what's my go-to? And, and how do I... And they're always, they have like these plans and these scripts for their dates. They just show up on myself. What you're describing, that's not being authentic. It's so you, so you, for you, you want to be authentic, you, but you also want to, you know, have that conversation. You're direct. That probably might not go well for some women because they expect the man to pay all the time. Right. And those women aren't for me. Exactly. Yes. So now I'm going to, kind of talk more about right now with how you are, because you Mm -hmm. said right now you're open to dating. You're not actively looking. The door is open. If it Mm -hmm. comes to, to that uh, time Mm -hmm. now you are on a, you're on TikTok, and you have a lot of followers. Yeah. Majority are women. Yes. 83% this week. It was 90 something a month ago. It fluctuates. Okay. So with that, do any of these women, uh, they're obviously gravitating towards you for some, for some reason. Um, Have you ever had any women come up to you through this social platform and ask you out? Um, One way or the other. Yeah. We've yes. Have you ever met any of them? Yes. Wow. Okay. You must live in a big city, right? I live in Minneapolis, the metropolitan area, Twin Cities, metropolitan area in Minnesota. So, yeah. And how do they know that's where you live? Do you put that on your profile? It is on my profile. And quite often I'm I'm talking about where I'm at or an event that takes place. And then they say, oh, I'm from there. And we've had meetups here locally and things like that. So it's not like I keep a secret where I live. So how how are those? And by the way, actually, don't answer that question yet. How do they approach you? Um, you know, you know, there's that DM thing where you're not really sure how it ha- the slip into the DM thing is a slide, is, slide, sliding, yeah, into sliding the into the DM. That's it happens both ways. And sometimes, um, you know, it's usually somebody will say something in a comment or, and then I'll follow it up. And then they'll say something in a DM that they don't want to say in a comment um, without 
outing anyone. I, I had made a post earlier this year where I was being, being pretty cheeky. And I said, you know, ladies, I want you, or no, I just said in general, I want you to know that 2021 is the year of shooting your shot and, and taking chances. And also I'm single. And I had said that, and, you know, and somebody had said, well, I'm from Eden Prairie, which is a suburb of the Twin Cities. And I said, okay. And then they said, you'd be fun to hang out with. Them. I said, that's fine. Cause I, I don't care. I'm, that's fine. It's, I like meeting people. And we went out and that wasn't, they just weren't very compatible with me. I mean, most people aren't. Okay. <laughs> and it's usually, and usually it, for me, it feels like it ends up like they've got a lot more work to do to get to a point where it's going to be equally yoked as far as need or um, ability to identify their own needs, ability to identify what's them and what's me, not. And I, I think the hardest thing to deal with for me is people who have most of women, a lot of the women my age have been in relationships for five, 10, 15, 20 years where their identity was removed from them. They were a mom and a wife and a hockey um, taxi or a, they, they weren't doing their thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And now they're out trying to have this life without their ex and without this kind of support system they're used to their kids are now gone. And so that focal that they were focusing on not to focus on the entire relationship, but was these kids and now they're gone. And then like, well, who am I? Those usually are the stumbling blocks I find for me connecting with others is that they haven't done the work. Okay. So is that, that's from your experience and the, what's the age range that you tend to date or attract? Um, 30 to 60 is what it's been at 51. Wow. In the last two years. Interesting. Okay. I seem to attract women 35 to 45. Um, I'm attracted to women from 30 to 60. I, 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 I don't have a type. I don't have a, what I like are people that know who they are that um, I'm actually really attracted to women that are very different to like kind of almost shy, quiet. Um, when I'm loud, they, they smack me because Stop it. you know, that kind of like that energy kind of appeals to me, but I'm very open to people that are, know who they are. Want to talk about heavy things, aren't afraid of their feelings, aren't afraid of saying they're wrong, mm-hmm. um, are always looking to improve who they are or learn new things. I find that attractive. What it's wrapped in usually doesn't matter. Okay. So moving forward, now we're, you know, you're, you're date, you've dated. Yes. And so do you see, cause here's where I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say. And I like for you to talk to the people who look like you, all the, the work that you've done and all the experiences. So, cause there's a lot of people out there like that. And so how, and the question is, you know, they often say, how does one like me, who's been through so much stuff date, like, how does that happen? And what does that even look like? And do I tell the person, do I tell the woman, you know, I've had PTSD and like, how does one like you date yeah. now? So when I first started getting well, I didn't say a thing. Now, like even my job, like when I tell people what I do when previously up till a month and a half ago, I was a certified peer support specialist. I am the lived by my definition. What does that mean? 
Well, it means I'm, I have the same diagnoses that people I work with. So I buy that definition, but the job also is about breaking stigma. Mm-hmm. Part of my job is breaking stigma to other clinicians, to patients, to, I am completely open because authentically that's who I am. Mm-hmm. Everything that happened to me up to this point in my life made me this amazing man that I am today. It gave me the compassion and the kindness that I lead with. It gave me the understanding to know that everybody has their thing going on under the surface. And if we don't judge it, but we're curious about it to find out what that is, that we can build bridges where other where most people would find division because they would judge it and shun it. Um, so I am completely open. And I've so it's part of my fail early. If that's not for you, I learn right away about where you're at and what you can do. So if I'm, I have these things, they all know it. Now I don't go, you know what? I tried to kill myself once, but as we, it comes up in conversation, I go, well, that's what I do. I'm a peer support special. What does that mean? We talk about that. Well, what, what are these diagnoses? Talk about that. And the more I just a matter of fact about it, they see who I am okay. and those things don't matter. How do they, how do they receive that? Um, some women are like, you know, oh, that's a lot to take in. I don't know what I think about that. I think we're great. We're having a conversation. And then I say, well, here, this is it. And But I don't think anyone has because of that information. And who knows what goes on behind. I don't think it's that information that makes me not right. What's usually not right is how. It's not about whether you're right or wrong. I'm talking about. What is their reaction from you being authentic? So it's almost 99% positive. Just, just, oh, and sometimes it attracts people because I'm, I'm, I am who I am. I am authentic. I think that when people are who they are, that you automatically become attractive to people that are into real authentic things, mm-hmm. whether it's something they normally would like. I mean, mm-hmm. I have people that go, I've never been around or with anyone like you, the way you talk, mm-hmm. the way you interact, the way you make me feel about myself or think about myself and the way you make me think of feel about you. I haven't had that. And I think that's because I'm not bullshitting. Okay. So the message to somebody who has been through the things that same experiences that you've had, the message really is be authentic, be who you are. That is my message to everyone in every walk of life about everything, be it business, be it romance, be it your family, be it you. Just be yourself because then you get the things you want Mm -hmm. because the other stuff goes away. It goes, oh, I don't like that. Or it's too much for me or whatever. It's like a screening process. You're just yourself. And if they don't like it, it's not for you. It's not for them. And that's okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. So the last question I have for you, how do you see your future right now? I see my, I see my future. Um, so like right now, um, I see it happy regardless. Um, so mindfulness has been the key to my success being here living now i can still make plans for the future but my focus is on right now right now i have everything i need if i go forward having everything i need i believe that it should it be what the universe has in store for me i'm going to meet somebody else that has everything they need or most of it right and we're either going to help that do that last part of the path with them and also they're going to have everything we need and we can hang out together or apart and be fine And eventually we'll make that decision to 
just hang out together. But until then, it, it, it's, I have this opportunity to be available. And when somebody interests me, I, I pursue that interest. I, I, you know, what are you about? What are you doing? Are, is this a thing? Can we do this? Yes, no, maybe. But I'm also not, I don't believe that there's forever love, that marriage and relationships, I don't go in thinking that this is going to be the be all and end all because that's not realistic. When I look at life, there's nothing in science, Nate, only in prose and poetry do I see forever love and this, this love where we compromise. That's, I think love isn't about compromise. Relationships might be about compromise. Socially normative relationships are about compromise, but love is about acceptance. I have a person that I love dearly, and we're very, very close. We're very close friends. It's a woman. Everyone says you should date, but that's not what we're doing or where we're at. I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but that's not where we're at. But where we are at is she does these things that she thinks is being mean. And I'm like, I know who you are. And I've accepted that about you. So you can do that. And we have the best relationship I've ever had in my life with anyone, family, friends, lover, whatever, because we communicate. Um, I accept all these things that I don't like. I just accept them and say, you know what, because of these other things, I'm going to accept that. I think that if I keep that up, I'm going to find a relationship that works for me. Because it's not about them. It's about what I can accept. You know, I have to accept them because that's who they are. And if I want them to change, it's not about me loving them. It's about me liking them and wanting something different with them. I love them. Who they are is what I get. Right. And I think with that attitude, I'm going to have success no matter what I do. Good. I hope so, too. I think so, too. I also don't think relationships are fail, pass, fail, bad relationships. Kind of like Nelson Mandela said, you win or you learn. I think relationships are the same thing. I may not like how it felt. I may not like what was done to me or what I did to somebody else. But I learned from it and I grew and I had that experience. And it must have been good for a moment Mm -hmm. where I wouldn't have gone through it. And I had those moments. So if I think about what I got, not what I lost. And that's it, folks. <laughs> that's good. Thank you, Elliot. I think um, this is just an important message, I feel. Um, I think that, you know, you talking about your experiences, I know that there are other people listening about that, you know, listening to your experiences and can resonate because, you know, how do you date? How, you know, that the stigma of, of mental health is out there. And it's refreshing to hear that you are talking about your own experiences and being so open to the people that you date and just being like, this is who I am. And that's really what the message is. That's really what the take-home message is when in dating and, and having somebody who's been through all these things, PTSD as a veteran, um, there is, you could date. It's that's there's nothing stopping you and you can have those things that you want out of life. So with that, Elliot, I just want to thank you so much for being a part of this and, and taking time out of your day to talk to me. Of course. So thank you for having me. You're welcome. And a little bit about you. Um, I know we talked a little bit, just tell us like, where could people find you? Um, I know you have a podcast, so just tell us where, where you are on your social media platforms and where's your podcast and what's the name of it. Absolutely. Can, when I quit my job 
short period ago, it was to work on media and things like that. I want to work on public speaking. Um, that's my next kind of, I'm putting that package together for promotions to talk about mental illness in the public, to talk about relationships and, and, you know, stigma. And because when people meet me, they're like, well, you don't look like you, you know, the whole, all the things like, well, you really have these things. It doesn't look like it. So I want to speak about that. Um, I'm on uh, TikTok, of course, uh, as I am Elliot Smith is my, my name there. Uh, I am starting, hopefully, I'm working on a project right now about being mixed, uh, black, white in our society today with some other TikTokers um, and some, uh, a friend of mine is a sociology professor. And I'm putting together a long form piece for my fourth, it exists, there's nothing on it. It's my forthcoming channel called My Thoughts Racing and it's on YouTube. It will be in my link on my TikTok very soon. Um, and hopefully in the next three weeks, that'll be up a documentary about being mixed in America. But so uh, YouTube and um, uh, TikTok are mainly where I'm at. Uh, my band is on SoundCloud. That's Elliot and the Ambient Drive. Um, and I'm also on Instagram as Elliot and the Ambient Drive. And also My Thoughts Racing on Instagram as well. And all those links are in my TikTok bio. So if you go to I am Elliot Smith, you'll find all those things. All right. And they will also be on the episode notes if you want to get, uh, if you want to reach out to Elliot. And I think that if you are a man who was a, who's a vet and had PTSD and probably can resonate, they could probably reach out to you. So thank you so much, Elliot. Thanks a lot. Once again, thank you everyone until next time. Bye.